Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 44. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your up-close and personal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and other titles soon to follow. We'll talk more about that as well. I'm Gene Bogart, back from the dead. All right, that happened a while ago, but I'm still I'm still back from the dead. <laughs> Podcast producer and Gary's, proud to be Gary's co-host. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, it is true. I believe we're ready. Are we ready? Because there is no time like the present to welcome the star of our show, the one and only, the inimitable Gary Renard. My goodness, it's like a choir singing you in with the applause, Gary. Please don't stand up, please. I'm telling you, people love you out there, man. They just go crazy. I know, even if it is artificial, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't artificial when it was recorded. That one time there was a huge audience who was that enthusiastic, and we're just applying it <laughs> to you right now, because we know they're that enthusiastic still. There's no time, and we're all one. That is, after all, our yeah. message, really. And so they are they are your crowd, Gary Renard. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, and apparently we've, we've been reelected to do a 44th podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. My goodness, how how apropos, politically speaking. This is, a, yeah, as we, so folks will know, we're always very upfront. It is November 7th, 2012, as we record this, which is the day after Election Day 2012, when Barack Obama, the 44th president, was reelected to another four years, and it's episode 44. I hadn't even thought of that, man. There are no coincidences. Uh, does that make him the 45th president, or is he still the 44th president? You know, we talked about that. Helen asked me that, and I said, ooh, you know, I believe he's still the 44th, because he, it's how many presidents we have had. It doesn't pertain to their—it's a different term, but he is the same president. Now, I think— Teddy Roosevelt, we could, if we could get a historian to join us here, we don't have one, but if we did, Michael Beschloss, if you're out there somewhere, call in. Um, I think that Teddy Roosevelt, he was president, and then someone else became president, and then Teddy Roosevelt was elected again. So I think he actually was two presidents, like whatever number it was, and then two numbers later, because it was two different separated terms. But I, I think... Uh, oh. I think if you're a president for four years or for eight years, if it's the same block of time, uh, you have the same presidential sequence number, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And I was reading this morning that of the 44 presidents, only 17 of them uh, have, were reelected to a second term. So. No kidding. Yeah, that actually makes Obama rather uh, unique. Yeah, and that must be pretty rare then, or... or... Well, I would think in in more recent terms, most of the presidents we've known in in recent terms have been, you know, two two terms. Rather, I mean, uh, George H. W. Bush and Jimmy Carter were the only single terms because Reagan had two terms. Uh, you know, uh, Bush Jr. had two terms. Clinton had two terms. Now Obama. So, but maybe in the older days, they got tired of people more quickly or something. Yeah, uh, these are people who are actually elected uh, more than once. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obama's one of only 17. Yeah, oh, so that... that is... uh, we just had three in a row that were re-elected, re so we think in terms of people. Yeah, who, yeah. 
reelected, but that's not always the case. Wow, what a, uh, you know, we were, you and I just, as people know, and or as should be painfully obvious, we really don't rehearse these programs before we do our podcast. But we usually have a brief discussion, just what in general things we're going to cover, and we kind of mentioned that a little bit. And you know how it really, it becomes a political time like this. It's so fraught with importance and criticalness, and, you know, we all get so focused and caught up with it. But then from a Course in Miracles perspective, you know, if nothing is real, if we are just to be the observers of everything, how do we merge those two? And that makes for an interesting conversation because, yeah, there's not not you and I necessarily, but, you know, there are people we see in the media who are livid. I mean, people who were opposed to Obama last night were, I mean, just steam coming out of their ears. I mean, you know, it was like the end of the world for them. Uh, of course, I felt like that when George Bush was reelected. But that's, but anyway, you know that that intensity from a course perspective is meaningless. That's that's pure ego because in reality it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, I've uh, been very successful the last few years in uh, practicing forgiveness when it comes to politics. I'm really not as interested in politics as I used to be. If you read my first two books, you'll see that I definitely had uh, a political slant that I cared about politics. But by the time Obama got elected four years ago for the first time, I mean, I just should have been so excited, you know, and I should have been really into it. And I wasn't. I mean, I voted for him, and I went out yesterday, and I voted for him. But it was very much like being uh, in a dream. It was like I wasn't attached to it. I didn't care as much about it as I used to. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Obama. I like his family. Uh, it's very difficult to see anything changing in Washington, D.C., because uh, the country is so polarized and the Congress is uh, more polarized than at any time that I've ever seen it. In yeah. My life. yeah, me too. Yeah, the filibuster has been used uh, twice as much as uh, the historical average. No, I think it's more than and, that, uh, actually, because, yeah, at least anyway, during one period of time, it was like, you know, exponentially more. I mean, it was like unbelievable because the filibuster, yeah, as, as we remember from younger years, as as old as you and I are, um, it was a rarity. I mean, that was like, it was like the, what they call, you know, the nuclear option. It was like, that's the thing you, oh, we don't want a filibuster because it almost never took place. And nowadays it's like uh, it's just their answer to everything. Yeah, it's true. And, um, yeah, I just uh, find myself not quite being uh, so plugged into the whole thing. Like, yeah. You know, yesterday I wanted Obama to win. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like I was at the edge of my seat, like it has to happen. Right. Uh, going into last night, there, you know, it looked like you could make a case that Romney uh, actually had a chance of winning. And uh, if that had happened, I wouldn't have liked it, but uh, I wouldn't have been able to forgive it. I found myself uh, the last few years really able to forgive to the point where I realized, look, there is no world. Uh, this is a projection that is coming from me. It has no reality whatsoever. When my body appears to stop and die, it's going to look like I'm leaving this world. And, uh, you know, kind of like rising above the whole thing. And then I'll realize that there never was a world. Uh, there's no world that was here before you were. And uh, there's no world that is going to be here after you appear to leave. It doesn't exist. And none of it ever existed. And I think uh, you know, I got that so much that I, I noticed that the night before last, I was actually dizzy, and I had uh, one of those rare symptoms of vertigo. Ah. Which, uh, I don't have very much, but... You know, if you look on uh, page 346 of the text, 
it describes the bridge to the real world and how there can actually be a period of disorientation because yeah. of what's happening when when you realize things like that and when you actually use uh, things that have been the most important to you in your life. Because I started uh, following politics when I was about nine years old because I lived in Massachusetts and uh, John F. Kennedy got elected president of the United States. And I was really into it even as a kid. And I followed it closely my whole life, and I knew a lot about it. And now, all of a sudden, here I am really able to forgive it. And I think that, that was very threatening to my ego, because uh, when you're able to forgive one of the biggest things that has seemingly existed in your life, then that can be very threatening to the ego. But uh, if you read that paragraph about the bridge to the real world, uh, you'll notice that it says, uh, you know, fear it not. In other words, don't fear it. Of course, then he says that it means only that you've been questioning uh, the very foundation that appeared to hold your world together. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, it can result in actual physical symptoms. Sometimes. Yeah. Really, you're really pulling the rug out uh, from underneath your ego. And, uh, you know, that can be very disconcerting. But at the same time, it's very liberating because. You know, it's kind of like uh, whether it's politics or what happens in your life or your financial success or your business success or whether or not you're respected by other people, all these things that people think are important. Uh, if you really start to get that it doesn't matter because uh, your personal happiness and your peace of mind should not be dependent on what happens in the world. You know, so much of spirituality today has become confused with the self-help movement. Mm. So pe people think that spirituality is about getting what you want and making things happen uh, in the world. Well, that's not spirituality. That's the self-help movement. Now, I don't have anything against the self-help movement. Uh, I myself have used it successfully. But what I'm saying is, is that if your happiness is dependent on that, then you're screwed. Because you can't depend on this world. You can't no. depend on uh, anything except the fact that it's going to change. Because that's what this world does. This is a world of shift and change. And it's in a, a state of constant change. And the Course teaches that whatever is true is eternal and cannot change or be changed. So it's really the opposite of what we're seeing here. What we're seeing here is unreality based on shift and change. And the truth is a constant. Uh, the truth is something that does not shift or change, and it cannot change or be changed, according to the Course. So you're really looking at apples and oranges. You're looking at two different things here. And uh, real spirituality, I think, is about being you know, happy and peaceful regardless of what appears to happen in the world, regardless of whether or not Obama wins or Romney wins, regardless of whether or not you're rich or poor or uh, sick or healthy. Uh, these are temporary things. And there is a peace of mind that is beyond that. And, and you've kind of like inspired me the last year or so because people who uh, listen to these podcasts know that uh, you've had health challenges uh, in the last uh, year and a half. Uh, I think that you've dealt with them with a very good frame of mind and uh, a very uh, good place of forgiveness. And I know that it hasn't been easy. And, uh, you know, certainly health problems are the worst problems. I saw my father go through uh, terrible things with this health. Because uh, it's kind of like it's something that you take for granted until you don't have it. No, for sure, then, yeah. Right. Then when you don't have your health, all of a sudden 
Yeah, when when my situation occurred a little over a year ago, uh, I mean, you know, talk about giving you perspective. We were talking about how you know, I was going to say earlier about the politics of it, and uh, you brought up could be finance, it could be any number of things. When it comes to like facing death, when you're, you know, you're, you're sitting there, there's just a, a car accident in that last second, just before the truck's about to plow into you or the train or, you know, or the shark's about to bite you in half, or you find yourself collapsing onto a bathroom floor and, and no, no body control. You, you go, this is it. So how do you process that? And whether it's an election or their finance, watching a stock market crash, whatever it might be, when you get that ability to, to back away from it, to just be observing it, you know, and realizing the non-reality, as you said, it, none of it's real. The world isn't real. So my body's not real. The politics aren't real. None of it's all something I'm watching and processing. And, and in fact, I'm actually projecting it. I'm projecting what it is I'm watching. So maybe I can't change that projection. Maybe I can, maybe I can't, but it doesn't matter. What I can always change is my my reaction to it, how I process it. How do I deal with it? Can I choose peace instead of this? So I think that that's always the answer. Uh, forgiveness is always the answer. What a great line. But it, it's always a forgiveness process of letting go, of letting go the attachment to it. And as you've said many times, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy a nice car or a nice meal or a nice place to live. But when you don't have the attachment to it, oddly, maybe not oddly, but you can enjoy it more when you're not worried about losing it. And if you do lose it, you don't worry about that either. You know, and it, and it doesn't make it easy, you know, and, and you were talking about my situation and all, and I, I've had a, a bit of crap that I can certainly complain about if anybody cares to listen, <laughs> but there are people far worse than me. I mean, when you see people, you know, with, you know, terrible cancer or, or, you know, ongoing physical pain and suffering and those kind of challenges that, that, that seem endless, you know, that's, that's tough to face unless you have some kind of a, a spiritual, stabilizer something that you can rely on and uh you know that that is a gift that keeps on giving and something that's beyond any price yeah absolutely and uh at the same time even though it may be easy for me to say right now uh i know that people from talking to them they think that uh it's more spiritual to have a healthy body you know they people make all kinds of assumptions they, uh. nowadays they think it's more spiritual to be rich well, in both of those cases, I'm obviously burning in hell. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they forget that, you know, 150 years ago, it was considered more spiritual to be poor. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, people, would, people would take, like, a vow of poverty. So it's like um, I know people who have extremely healthy bodies, maybe the healthiest bodies in the world. They're athletes, and they're jerks. <laughs> you know? I mean, it doesn't make you more spiritual to have a healthy body. On the other hand, I know people who uh, have health problems who are among the most spiritual people uh, who I know. So it's not really the circumstances that make you spiritual. It's the way that you look at it. It's not what happens that matters. It's the way that you perceive it, the way you look at it, whether or not you're able to forgive it. It's not the problem. It's how you handle the problem mentally. You know, that's where spirituality is. That's real spirituality because it's not dependent on the circumstance. And uh, I really want to emphasize that because that's what A Course in Miracles does. It's not about manipulating the level of form. And uh, as I've said many times on these podcasts, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful. It doesn't mean that you can't have your life. 
It just means that it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. It's not something that you have to be so attached to that you're going to fall apart if you don't get what you want. You know, like uh, I'm trying to get my books made into a TV series. Okay, that's that's a tough sell. You know, and it's a big project. And uh, I've worked hard on it behind the scenes uh, for years now. And, yeah, we are making progress. But even though it's a big thing in my life, I'm not going to uh, fall apart if it doesn't happen, you know. And uh, you know, I always said to Cindy, you know, if I really get sick of this place, I could always move to Hawaii and sleep on the beach. <laughs> but it's not like uh, my life's going to fall apart if things don't work, you know. And uh, that's the way it should be because, if, you know, once again, if if your happiness is dependent on that, then you're not going to be happy. Uh you know, I like to say there's no reason to be happy, so be happy for no reason. You know, it's like uh, be happy because of what the Course says. It says happiness is a decision I must make. You know, you decide to be happy, and you're happy, and it's no. not dependent on what happens. And uh, you have to be happy regardless of what happens, because sooner or later in the world of duality, it's going to go bad, at least for a while. Yeah, it always does. Yeah. As I always say, the great philosopher James Morrison uh, said, no one here gets out alive. You know, so it doesn't matter. You know, I don't mean this to sound negative or nihilistic or anything, but, you know, life always ends badly, even in its best. In its best circumstances, death will separate you from everyone you love and everything you've ever had. One way or the other, they will die on you or you will die on them, but everybody's going to croak. And in some cases, very miserably so. But that's what life does. And the beauty of what the Course teaches is that none of that is real. You, you can actually get to a real place of peace by saying, okay, look, no matter how bad or no matter how good things seem to be, I, as you just said, you can always choose to be happy in the worst of circumstances or in the best. And there are plenty of people whom I or you would look at and they seem to have everything in the world. They've got wealth and success and, you know, everything. And, and they're miserable people because they're not choosing to be happy, even when it seems so obvious that they would be. And the same as the opposite. There are people who who lose everything, you know, as the world sees it, but they still have a happiness within them because that's their choice and they continue to make that choice. And you know, Gare, all this, all the talk about the body and how we process things, I mean, this really gets back into that sort of, I know we seem to repeat it a lot, but it is the same message. We just examine it in a myriad of different forms uh, that the Course is always just saying there's only ever one choice. It's always choosing either between essentially spirit and, and illusion, between the Holy Spirit's reality and the ego's symbolism and and that's really the only choice we always make and as you said before about happiness is a choice um because you're choosing between unhappiness which is the illusion the ego's falsity whether it's your body or or circumstances or the world itself whatever it may be that's the one choice or the choice for happiness and real happiness is always of god which is of our reality and and we can choose for that no matter how dire the situation seems to be, because what seems is never real, and what's real is always real. Is, does that kind of sum it all up? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's either the Holy Spirit or the ego, and uh, I think the main thing is the ego makes it real. You know, like, uh, how can you be sad if it's not real? Yeah. You, know, you can only be sad or at the effect of it if it's true, if it's real. And the Holy Spirit is saying something totally different. The Holy Spirit is saying, look, what you're seeing is not true. 
Uh, it's not real, which is why it's nothing to sweat about. And uh, the course, I think if it would say one thing, and it doesn't have a lot of rules, but if there would be kind of like a cardinal rule, it would be don't make the error real. You know, don't make it real. Mm-hmm. If you make it real, you're at the effect of it, and it can hurt you, and it can make you sad, and it can do all kinds of things to you, and there are real people out there that can hurt you, and, uh, you know, you better watch out for them, and you better defend yourself, and, you know, you better be careful, and, uh, you know, it's all real. And that's the ego, and that's exactly what the ego wants, and the ego wants you to believe that you're this body and that uh, there's a world out there that can get you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you're not a body. It's the Course says, you know, a hundred times, I'm not a body, I'm free, for I'm still as God created me. And so it's like, okay, I cannot be hurt. I'm not at the effect of the world. I'm a cause, and the world is actually coming from me. Uh, you know, the projector might be hidden in the unconscious mind. Maybe I can't see it because I'm viewing it with the conscious mind because mm-hmm. the mind is split. But what I'm seeing is coming from me Then I forgot. So I'm literally scaring myself. <laughs> and uh, I don't know it because I can't see that this is coming from me because I forgot. And what the Course does is it helps you to remember. You know, it helps you to remember that you are the one who did it. Uh, the Course oh. says, as you know, the secret of salvation is but this, that you are doing this to yourself. And this is always true because the projection of the universe of time and space is coming from you. And there is no universe of time and space, just like there is no world, but we think that there's this great big universe out there that's bigger than us, and that's only through the device of separation that we've made ourselves look and feel so small and at the effect of it. uh, That uh, section that I like to mention uh, in the bridge to the real world, in the text, it says, uh, "What is big and little is is uh, magnified here, and what is huge is cut down in size." It's it's kind of like, you know, we're seeing the opposite of what is true. We appear to be small. Everything outside of us appears to be real and big. The truth is that what we really are is bigger than the universe of time and space. You know, what we really are cannot even be contained by the universe of time and space. Right. And we've got this vast illusion out there, as the Course calls it. And, uh, you know, and we've quoted this before, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, you know, the Course uh, says that what we're seeing is an illusion of a world. God did not create it, for what he creates must be real as himself. And uh, what we're seeing is uh, definitely not real. Uh, I like to say that, you know, the American Indians used to say, behold the great mystery. Mm. Well, the Course says, behold the great projection, you know, because that's all that it is. It really is just one big projection, and uh, it has no reality any more than the images that we see in a movie theater. Uh, Grant you, it's a very convincing movie. Right. You know, it seems very real. But, uh, you know, so what? I've said this before, too, but they have the kind of technology that it actually exists today where you can feel things that are not there. Yeah, you mentioned that. And that's the uh, trick of the ego. That's kind of like the trickery, you know, whether it's time or space or matter or sol- solidness or, or anything. It's all this uh, trick of the ego to convince us that we're separate, that we're a body, because if, if we're a body, we're definitely separate. Yeah. And, uh, and here's the Course saying something totally the opposite. The Holy Spirit is saying you're not a body. And... Uh, you know, it's like most spiritual thought systems, what they try to do is they try to balance body, mind, and spirit. You know, they make them all equally important. 
And uh, that's not the approach of A Course in Miracles. The approach of the Course is different. The Course is saying, no, what you want to do is you want to learn how to use your mind to choose between the body and spirit. Right. And whichever one you choose will be what you think is real. You know, you're actually establishing your own identity. Of course, uh, the body in the Course is, it's not really just about the body. The body is the great symbol of separation uh, in the Course. And spirit is the great symbol of wholeness. So spirit, according to the Course, is not a separation idea. It's not an individual thing like an individual soul or anything like that. It's really uh, all of it, not just part of it. The Holy Spirit thinks in terms of wholeness and oneness. In fact, uh, the word holy comes from the word whole. And it's like uh, you kind of like think outside of the box. You know, if you're thinking in terms of another body, you kind of like overlook the body. I'm not saying that you don't carry on a normal conversation with them. I mean, I'm carrying on a conversation with you right now, but that doesn't mean that I don't know what you really are. And what you really are is something that is beyond the veil, beyond the illusion, beyond the body. It's something that is not just part of it. Uh, The Holy Spirit doesn't think in terms of partialness. The Holy Spirit thinks in terms of wholeness. So what those people really are, if, if you kind of like look past the veil, as the Course puts it, and that's what spiritual sight is, by the way. It's kind of like overlooking the illusion right. to reality. And the reality is that they're not just part of it. They're actually all of it. You know, they're exactly the same as God. And God is a condition, just like heaven, God is a condition of perfect oneness. So you look past the illusion and think of people as being this perfect oneness, exactly the same as God. And if you think of them that way, then given the way that the mind works, which we've talked about before, your mind cannot, and I mean, of course, your unconscious mind, cannot help but interpret that to be true about you. Whatever you're thinking about somebody else, which is why the Course stresses, you know, as you see him, you will see yourself. Uh, It says the way to have this gift is to give it to others. And it says to have all, give all to all. Uh, It says everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. So uh, the Holy Spirit is thinking in terms of oneness and wholeness. The ego is thinking in terms of differences. You know, the ego loves differences. You know, how can you have judgment without differences? Right, yeah. So this is a world of duality, so we have uh, up and down and in and out and different countries and all these polarities, male and female, you know, and uh, Republicans and Democrats and all these dualities that are going on. And none of it's true, but it's all based on differences because that's what the ego wants because the ego craves judgment. Because if you judge it, you make it real. And if you make it real, then the whole ego thought system of separation is true. And here's the Holy Spirit saying just the opposite, saying, no, there are no differences except in dreams and illusions. Uh, The truth is everything is the same because everything is spirit. And in spirit, there are no polarities and dualities or opposites or, uh, you know, differences to choose between or or judge against. So it's all the same. And... uh, that's what spiritual sight is, actually, is just overlooking the illusions and the separations and thinking in terms of oneness and wholeness and spirit, which is exactly the same as God. And uh, as the Course emphasizes in that last section of the text, choose once again, it's saying whichever one you choose to believe is what you will believe you are. Hmm. And eventually the truth will dawn on your mind as to what you really are if you keep making the right choice in your mind. And yes, you can still have your life at the same time. 
It's just that now you're thinking differently. You're looking at things differently. You're above the battleground, as the Course puts it. And, uh, you know, you might slip a little bit, slip into the battleground a little bit, but then you remember. And at one point the Course says, what is a miracle but this remembering? You know, you remember the truth, and uh, as soon as you remember the truth, you'll feel better, and you'll be more peaceful. And that leads to great things. It leads to inspiration. It leads to awakening in God. It leads to all kinds of uh, wonderful things. But if you keep choosing with the ego, uh, all it will lead to eventually is disaster. You know, uh, aster means astral, and disaster means you're not connected. You're not connected to that higher place. You're not connected to the Holy Spirit. And uh, when that happens, well, eventually you're going to go down a road that's going to lead to uh, sad things. It's going to lead to uh, things that you are at the effect of because you're not connected, which will make it even worse in your experience. But on the other hand, uh, if you're with spirit and you put the Holy Spirit in charge of the whole thing and you keep practicing forgiveness, you're more in spirit, which means you're more inspired, and inspiration leads to good things. Yeah. Uh, leads to things that will make you happy, peaceful, maybe even successful, you know, because it's not against the rules to have a successful life. It's just that uh, that's kind of like an after effect. You know, it's kind of like uh, the fringe benefit that comes along with doing this. Uh, now you're putting the horse before the cart by putting the Holy Spirit first. And the Holy Spirit is pulling the cart, and the cart's going to go in a good place because it's being led to uh, good things and uh, things that are good for everybody, not just yourself, because the Holy Spirit you know, we'll guide you to what is best for everybody because the Holy Spirit can see everything, and we can't. So we don't even have enough information to know what's best for us. Right, even on, the, right. even on the level of form, we don't have enough information to know what's best for us, but the Holy Spirit does. And uh, I think it takes a certain amount of humility to admit that uh, maybe the Holy Spirit knows more than you do and uh, knows what's best for you and you don't. But I'm perfectly happy to do that, because uh, the Holy Spirit has led me to some pretty good things. And I think that the Holy Spirit earns our trust. I don't think that this is a blind, kind of religious kind of a thing. Uh, I think that uh, the Course is very practical, and that the Holy Spirit actually earns our trust by leading us uh, to good things eventually. If uh, we really, you know, practice forgiveness, then the least that we can be led to is peace. If you're led to peace, well, you can think more clearly. If you're with the Holy Spirit, you can be inspired. And uh, even if you have periods of struggling, and I've, you know, I've had periods of struggling, everybody does, but eventually you can be led to what's best for everybody. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it always comes down to that choice. You know, that's that's the Course's uh, idea of your one remaining power, you know, mm-hmm. power to choose. Yeah. Is your one remaining power, and, and if you use it, then, uh, you know, at the very least, you're opening up a whole new dimension of time. You're you're saving thousands of years, according to the Course, in your uh, spiritual development. The miracle can substitute for learning. It may have taken thousands of years. Uh, even the experience of death would be different, uh, according to the Course, uh, if you practice forgiveness. And if there's been real healing as a result of that, which there would be, mm-hmm. then uh, it changes the experience of everything, it even determines which lifetime, if you do come back one more time, it determines which lifetime you're going to review mentally, which is all that we're doing here. And according to the Course, we're just reviewing things mentally, like watching a movie. And uh, 
then, you know, you appear uh, to pass away. And we were talking about this earlier before the call, but, uh, you know, you appear to pass away and all of a sudden you're leaving this dream and you realize that it was just a dream and you realize that there wasn't any world that was there before you came here. It wasn't there. And when you leave, there's no world that is being left behind when you leave here. It never existed, except in the mind. You know, so it's kind of a mind blower, certainly. But the truth is that when you appear to die and leave here, you're not leaving a world behind. There isn't any world that you're leaving behind. But then there are figures, seemingly separated figures in the dream here, who are dreaming that there is a world here when there isn't. But uh, when you leave it, then, you know, the body uh, may stop, but the mind keeps right on going. Uh, the mind doesn't stop. It, it keeps reviewing mentally different things. Uh, the movie might seem to change, but the mind doesn't. So uh, the Course teaches that you are mind in mind, and it says that mind is the only thing that can be saved, and forgiveness is the only thing that can save it. So, ultimately, resurrection is of the mind and doesn't have anything to do with the body. Uh, the Course is saying that the body can't be saved. Would you, uh, would you say that the forgiveness process comes into play here because as, assuming one's going to, one's not done with your work and you're going to be back and, and when you die you will come back or, or appear to come back as, as, you know, you're not f fulfilled with your enlightenment process yet. But if you've been practicing forgiveness, is the payoff then that in the same way that we become more of the observer here in our life on earth that you know we we feel that that comfortable detachment from it we're not so caught up in it because we're seeing it from a little bit of removal is does that also then benefit you through that process because when the mind chooses to to assume what appears to be another lifetime in review do you then see it from that that position from the forgiveness work that you've been doing where you see it from a more detached point of view and hence have a more peaceful and more productive life because you you don't get so caught up into the into the illusion because you see it from a a better and more evolved perspective because you've done that forgiveness work is that kind of how the process works yeah yeah i think so and uh it's kind of like you have to get into the habit of that forgiveness you have to train the mind and and certainly the course does this but uh, I think you have to do it so much that it becomes so much of a part of you that you would miss it if you don't do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the first 15 miracles principles there, when it says miracles are habits, I think you just get so much into the habit of doing it that it almost becomes automatic. You know, it's kind of like something happens, you forgive it, it's gone. And certainly when you get to that point, you're becoming like Jesus. But, uh, you know, that's a very advanced uh, state. It can take a long time, but it's worth doing. You know, and... Uh, you know, the Course says uh, that a tranquil mind is not a little gift, and uh, if you do this, it leads to peace first and foremost. But uh, it also eventually leads to uh, great experiences, perhaps mystical experiences, but that, that's not as important as the ultimate mystical experience, which is to remember who you are and actually experience your oneness with God. And uh, I think that that's the experience that the Course is directed toward when Jesus talking in the workbook there, you know, it says there is no answer, only an experience. You know, seek only this and do not let theology delay you. It's like, uh, yeah, that is the answer because in that experience of your perfect oneness with God, all the questions disappear and there's only the answer, which is God. There are no questions. Uh, the Course describes it as the complete but temporary suspension 
of doubt and fear. There is no uh, doubt or fear in that experience, no questions. And then, you know, it may last for a second or two, and then you appear to come back uh, to this world. I say come back to this world because in that brief experience, the body will seem to disappear and the world will seem to disappear. And uh, then you, you come back here and you might have some questions and it dawns on you that you're dreaming the questions because the questions don't exist in reality. Uh, those questions only exist in the dream. Mm. And so you realize, oh, gee, you know, I didn't have those questions for that second or two when I was in that reality. There are no questions. Uh, There's only perfect oneness in in this incredible experience that can't even be put into words. And then you come back here and there's all these questions. And then you realize, well, you know, this is uh, a dream of separation because those questions don't exist in reality. And the only reason I'm having them is because I'm dreaming them. And uh, then you start to realize, you know, there is no reality here. And... uh, you know, the world has never existed, and uh, I have never existed, not as a body, not as an individual right. being. Uh, only God is true, and I'm the same as God in reality. I, I get to be God. I get to experience this perfect oneness with God, so you wouldn't experience that you were any different than God. And uh, it's the ultimate experience, and eventually it'll be our permanent reality, so... Uh, we definitely have something to look forward to, uh, in, in more than uh, just death and, and the fact that we're yeah. all going to die. There, there's definitely something beyond that that is better. And uh, I really, you know, I really think that, you know, you see people mourning for the dead, and if they knew what a good time those people were having after, <laughs> they, after they leave the body, they wouldn't be mourning for them. They'd be jealous because <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, First of all, it's a great experience just to be weightless and, and to not have, you know, the heaviness uh, and pain that's associated with the body. You know, there's there's no pain, there's no weight. Uh, it's, you know, just a better experience, which is why you find people almost universally uh, describing the near-death experience as a good experience, as, as a beatific right. uh, experience. And it is, you know, for a while until that guilt catches up with you and then you want to hide from it and the place you hide from it is here, which is why people keep coming back uh, over and over again. But the time will come when they've learned all their forgiveness lessons and by definition the Holy Spirit is healing the mind at the same time that we're doing that forgiveness. And then as we keep chipping away and undoing the ego, the Course says salvation is undoing. You know, you undo the ego, eventually spirit is going to be all that's left. So, because that's the real use. So, and and in reality, for, forgiveness is the healing of the mind. I mean, basically, that that's that's exactly what is taking place every time. Every little thing that you choose to forgive is an alignment with the Holy Spirit's thought system, and by definition, that is a healing of your mind. That's right. Uh, we do our one responsibility according to the course, which is forgiveness. You know, the means of the atonement is forgiveness. And the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. Well, the means of the atonement is forgiveness, which means that really our only responsibility in this whole thing is to practice forgiveness. And if we forgive what's right in front of our face, whether it be the situations or the events or the people or the politicians or, uh, you know, all these different things that we appear to be forgiving, every single time we do that, whether we can feel it or not, whether we can observe it or not, every single time that we do that, the Holy Spirit is performing some kind of a healing. Every single time, even if it looks like you're forgiving the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. 
and you feel stuck in a situation or a job, and uh, you know it looks like, oh, geez, I'm just forgiving the same thing. Well, every single time you do it, you have to remember that the Course says that a miracle is never lost. Right. You know, an interesting, I just, it just occurred to me as you said this, and it's kind of an interesting point with that. We seem to forgive something, and then we have the same thing, forgive it again, and the same thing, forgive it again. And we keep saying, like, as you just said, why do we have to keep doing it over and over and over? Well, there are no repetitions of it, and there was never a first time either. All of that is in the mind. All of that's being generated purely by the mind. So it's not that it happens over and over. There, it never happened. The repetitions are not real, nor was the first time because it wasn't a first time. It was, it's like this, this little invention that pops into our, our distorted mind. And it doesn't matter if it pops in once or a thousand times. The answer is always the same to forgive it. And eventually it doesn't seem to pop into the mind at all because it has been totally erased through the intervention of the Holy Spirit, which is essentially our own corrected mind. How's that? Yeah. You're heavy. That's heavy, dude. <laughs> what, what's the matter, Gary? Is something wrong with gravity in your century? Um, now, listen, uh, you know, we were going to do a couple questions for Gary, and one of them is staring me in the face here, and it's just what we're talking about. Let me just pose this one to you right now. And we're going to do a couple of new ones, and we're going to do a couple of old ones. I always try to do a balance because I've got questions from years ago, <laughs> but I keep them. They do, and then they show up. I, occasionally I get emails from people. I can't believe I sent that to you like five years ago. Yeah, well, I still have it. Okay, so this one came from Carl, and uh, here's the question. You're going to love this because just what we were talking about, uh, maybe it'll kind of wrap up this little you know discussion that we're having so gary here's my question i'm confused about the finality of the script of our lives the script who or what determines this incarnation's script is it the ego mind or the holy spirit it seems to me that the hs holy spirit chooses for me let's say in this life to become enlightened looking back from the end of time who determines then how many lifetimes we need to get to this point so any clarification would be appreciated. Thanks a lot. That's from Carl. Uh, did you repeat that? No. no <laughs> uh, actually, you know, and you know, these are very uh, esoteric things. I, I like Workbook Lesson Number One Sixty Nine when Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit looked back, you know, from the end of time and saw all the time held, and it determined with you actually your mind when it would be the best time for you to awaken. To revelation and eternity, the way that workbook puts it. And by the way, one of my favorite lines uh, in the course is in that workbook lesson. He's talking about time and all these, you know, really far out things about time. And then he says, uh, there's no need to further explain what nobody in the world can understand. <laughs> and so that, that's really one of my favorite lines. And uh, well, of course, I feel, you know, what the hell are you bring it up for in the first place? You know, but it's <laughs> like uh, what happened was you got. Two two things really. Uh, there are two scripts, but only one of them has to do with what happens uh, at that first instant of time. What we would call the Big Bang, you know, the, the creation of the universe of time and space. You have this uh, Big Bang. Now, the force of that explosion was so great that anything after it that happened would have to have happened the way that it did. You know, you couldn't stop it. You know, it's like if a bomb went off in the room you're not going to stop it from going in the direction that it's going in. You know, the force of it is too great. It's going to go where it's going. You know, I know hate, people hate the idea that uh, it's all determined, but it is. You know, so everything that ever happened in time was determined right at that instant of the Big Bang. The whole script uh, was, was written. It was 
in the mind, and that's the ego script. What happens? That's the ego script. The Holy Spirit script is not the ego script, and the Holy Spirit doesn't interfere with the ego script. What the Holy Spirit does is it gives you a different way of looking at the ego script, a, a totally different interpretation of it. And, and so you have what happens, then you have the Holy Spirit's way of looking at what happens. So just to jump in, the, the what what seems to be happening is always the ego script, but but how it is perceived is is where the choice of the Holy Spirit's version comes in. Yes, and there is a little bit of wiggle room there, because even though the script is written, as the Course says, it, it also talks about different dimensions of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those first 50 miracles principles, it talks about the Holy Spirit uh, collapsing time very early in the text. So if you choose the Holy Spirit's way of looking at things, and, uh, you know, Jesus even says in the Course, uh, he says at one point, I am in charge of time and space. So what he's doing is... Uh, if you do your part, which is forgiveness, it's possible for you to skip large chunks of time, it's possible for you to go to different dimensions of time, because there are lessons that you have learned that you no longer have to learn, which is why it says right at that beginning of uh, you know the, the final section of the text, says trials are but lessons presented once again, so that where you made a faulty choice before, now you can make a better one, and mm-hmm. let's escape all the pain that your previous decision has brought you. If you do that, if you actually escape all the pain by choosing forgiveness, then you don't need that lesson anymore. But I think it, you know, you have to really learn it. You really do have to escape all the pain that that is uh, bringing to you. But if there is no pain, you've learned the lesson and you don't need it anymore. And it's possible to skip uh, those lessons in the future and go thousands of years uh, in advance of where you would have been. And uh, that's all part of the Holy Spirit's plan, which he did with you at the end of time, looking backwards. The Course says that time only seems to go in one direction. Right, right. It actually goes in, in both directions. And if you can understand that, then congratulations. Well, though, actually, though, it's not going anywhere. As you, you've used the analogy before, like a movie, if you took a, you know, a film movie and you spread it all out on one very, very long table and the whole film is in one big strip spread way out, there's no progression. It, 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 it's not time moving. The whole thing is there in, in the same instant. Now, it, when it's running through the projector to give a convincing illusion of the, the movie's not really moving, but it appears to be when it's run through the projector. So that, that is, there's time involved. But the, the movie itself is not in time. The movie all exists at once. And that's true, too. So we're not moving. We seem to be moving backwards or forward. But in reality, we're never moving. We're just reviewing, you know, in a certain frames per second rate or whatever it may be. That's right. So if you look at it all laid out like that, then it's holographic. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is one. It's all there. But if you put it through, uh, you know, like a, a movie strip, then it becomes a linear experience. And that's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. By reviewing this mentally, we're having a linear experience. The truth is not linear, but our experience is. Uh, just like time itself is uh, not linear, it's holographic. The whole thing happened all at once, even a physicist will tell you that. But what we're doing by reviewing mentally what has already gone by is we're reviewing it in a linear fashion. So our experience becomes linear. It's it's not uh, a true experience, it's a false experience, but that is our experience. And uh, what the Course does is, is kind of like undoes the hold that all this stuff has on us, the linear experience, whether it be time or space. 
and uh, all these false experiences that we're having, it kind of like breaks the hold that the ego has on us. And we start to question its reality, and we start to realize, you know, uh, what we're seeing is not true. It really is a trick of the ego. It really is all smoke and mirrors. And uh, reality is much different, and reality is better. You know, it's a better experience, and spirit spirit is better. It really is better to be spirit. And uh, by breaking the hold that it all has on us, the ego starts to weaken as it gets undone. At one point, the Course talks about the ego's withering attacks. Mm. that it has on you, and the Holy Spirit is taking over. And uh, that's a better experience. So uh, in wrapping up his question, who determines then how many lifetimes we need to get to this point? I think from what you've just said, the answer is we do. We determine it. If if we forgive, we get to this point more quickly. If we resist the forgiveness and continue to embrace grievances, it seems to take longer. In reality, as we said with that movie analogy, the the script is already there. The film strip is already laid out. It's a matter of how quickly do we go through it? Do we plod along as, as the film seems to unfold for thousands of years? Or do we say, you know, I've already gotten to this point and simply jump ahead? And the Holy Spirit is the one who, who empowers that. That's, the Holy Spirit is the engine behind that change in perception. But the choice is ours. We have to make the choice to do it. So we're determining how quickly we get to the point where the enlightenment will eventually occur. Right. That's right. Cool. And uh, remember, our responsibility is to practice forgiveness. Yeah. We don't have the information to decide whether we can change dimensions of time or how far ahead right. we're going to go. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility, because the Holy Spirit has the information that is necessary uh, to make that decision. So that's why our only responsibility is to practice forgiveness. The Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. The Holy Spirit will take care of the big part of the job that we can't see. The Holy Spirit will move us thousands of years ahead of where we would have been and collapse time for us and help us change dimensions of time and things like that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All that we have to remember is our job, which is to choose the Holy Spirit and practice forgiveness, stop making it real, and forgive it, not because it's real, but because it's not real. Yeah. And when you do that, you're kind of like undoing the ego because you're turning the tables on the ego. Now you're saying, no, uh, I'm not a victim of the world I see, as the Course says. Uh, I am the maker of the world that I see. I'm not at the effect of it. So I can forgive it because I'm the one who made it up in the first place. And again, as we've always said, you know, our job is to supply the willingness. You know, the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting, but we have to remember to be willing. You have to, you know, as of course, as I always say my phrase, you need do nothing, but you do have to be willing. You just be that, you know, you when you willingly say, Holy Spirit, you decide for me. And that's the forgiveness process in action. You know, we always talk about that that clean altar that we see in in the center of our mind, and the, it's pure, nothing but brightness, just light. The pure light is there, and we take the grievance. We have to be willing to say, you know, I willingly give this up. I let that go. I put it on that altar for you, the Holy Spirit, to shine that away for me. The Holy Spirit does that, and that's the heavy lifting, but it absolutely requires our willingness. It won't be done for us. We have to always make that choice. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, cool. Let me jump yeah, into cool. another question. And we just did an old one. We're doing a brand new one. This one just came in today from 
one of our humble fans, and it's it's either Foye or Foy, F-O-Y-E. I hope I pronounced it right one of those ways. It, it said, hi, Gene. I've listened to almost all of Gary's books, and I thoroughly enjoy them. I'm not a big fan of reading, so I enjoy all of Gary's books through Audible.com, where I download them directly to my iPod or phone, listen to them at any time. Question for Gary is, do you know, Gary, when Your Immortal Reality will be released to Audible.com? I check the site all the time, waiting for it to appear so I can download it. Uh, I also recently found your podcast. I've been listening to them. I started from the first one, and I'm enjoying catching up on all the past info. So a dedicated podcast listener. So your immortal reality, Gary, when will it hit audible.com? Uh, the truth is, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first book uh, the first book was recorded as an audio CD, which is why it's at uh, audible.com. Oh, you know, that's that, right. Uh, I had a little something to do with that first recording. And yeah, yes, we've never done a second one yet. That's why. <laughs> I'm dumb. That's right. In fact, uh, in that first recording, uh, Gene Bogart plays the voice of Arden. Wow. And Doreen Virtue uh, does the voice of Persa. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do myself. You were a good choice there. Well, you know, I auditioned quite a few people, but I chose me. And uh, I, I didn't think I was that good at first, but I got better as the recording went on. You did, yeah. No, no you did fine. And uh, it's like, uh, I would like to uh, do the others in audiobooks. Maybe well, yeah, one that... at a time, just to make it doable. Maybe if we did the second one first. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Gene and I could do it, and maybe we could uh, have somebody uh, help us by playing Persa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could do that, and then uh, the third book will be out uh, next year, and we could uh, maybe do that one, too. That'd be cool. And the reason I wanted to make sure we got this one in today, not not just because it's the most current question we've ever handled on the same day, but it also there was one last thing I wanted to ask you about speaking of Audible. While you're waiting for your immortal reality to be out on Audible.com, if you just can't get enough cool stuff to listen to, you, Gary, along with your lovely bride, the lovely Cindy Laura Renard, you guys have uh, recently recorded and now it's available, it's already released and available to be purchased a a meditation CD, and uh, I, I haven't heard it yet, but I hear that it's pretty wonderful. You want to talk about that real quick before you got to go? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Cindy and I wrote uh, eight uh, meditations, and it's on this CD called Meditations for Couples. Now, you don't have to be a couple to do these meditations, but uh, if you are a couple, you can do these meditations together if you choose to. And uh, they have uh, really nice background music written by Cindy. And then we have uh, the audible part, you know, the word part of the meditations where we kind of like give the meditation and instructions and, and people can do the meditations along with us. These are meditations that Cindy and I uh, do together. So we retired, we retired, yeah, decided to, <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. I think I was up to like last night watching the election results. But uh, it's like... You know, we decided to record them, and uh, you know, it came out really, really nice. It's kind of like an elegant uh, kind of a thing, and, and they're very good meditations. Uh, and they've helped Cindy and I a great deal. I mean, you know, we do everything together. We live together. Uh, we work together. We travel together. You know, we do everything together. And, she, and, and she's not sick of you yet? Well, I think these meditations have helped in that area <laughs> because it's, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, we could drive each other nuts, I suppose, if, if we didn't know how to forgive and if we didn't do these meditations together, but we do. And, uh, you know, we get along really well, and uh, it's it's like 
I'm really excited. This is actually one of the best projects that uh, I've ever been involved in. And uh, if people are interested, then it's actually published by the original publisher of The Disappearance of the Universe, mm-hmm. uh, D. Patrick Miller of Fearless Books. Our buddy D. Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to uh, get the CD, you can go to fearlessbooks.com. That's uh, www.fearless, uh, fearlessbooks.com. Just scroll down a little bit, and you'll see the, the picture of Cindy and I on the CD there. And uh, we recorded an introduction to, to describe what the meditations are like, and there are brief samples of uh, the meditations, very brief. And uh, it's, you know... It's something that uh, we're really happy with. We're really happy about it. And uh, you might want to check it out because it's, uh, they're very good meditations. And Cindy, uh, you know, Cindy is no beginner. I mean, she has a master's degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. Uh, very smart, very, uh, you know, advanced spiritually uh, kind of a woman. She knows the course just as well as I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, she participates in the workshops more and more with me as we go along here, especially this year. Uh, she's been taking a bigger role in the workshops, and uh, she also does a meditation in each of the workshops. And uh, so, yeah, it would be great if you could check that out. And she actually did, the, as you said, I think the music behind that, because there's music behind the meditations there, and that's her music. Yeah, she writes all her own music. Uh, of course, she has two of her own audio CDs that she uh did their music CDs. We did a music CD together, which is also available. Yeah, good stuff. What's the name? Tell the name again. Uh, the name of the CD is Near the Beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I, I wrote one of the songs on uh, the CD, which I thought came out really well. And Cindy wrote one of the songs on the music CD. And uh, then it has some of our favorites. So that's also uh, available. If you go to either one of our websites, uh, you can go to GaryRenard.com. You can go to uh, CindyLaura.com. And, uh, you know, you can see all those CDs, and uh, I also have audio CDs, which sounds true. So, all together, uh, Cindy and I have about 10 products uh, that we have that are available to people. And with the holidays coming up, you might want to check out some of these websites. Yeah. And uh, also, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna come back in a second here and wrap things up to give out all those all that information again of where to connect with everything. And I'll also tell you guys in the audience a little bit about uh, something I have coming up that we'll talk about more in our next podcast. But that'll be an audio thing from me, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, Gary and I are planning at this point to do our next podcast pretty quickly. Yes, I know we've said that before, but we actually have a plan this time. And as the healed mind does not plan, which just shows where we are. Uh, but no, we're targeting like just after Thanksgiving, right at the end of this month, and it'll be sort of a gratitude flavored uh, podcast discussion. And uh, we'll also talk about the upcoming holiday season. And then, of course, we'll be doing our our usually annual uh, Christmas holiday theme show, which will be happening in late December. So that's what we're targeting here for, for the oncoming little while. But I'll be back to chat about that in a sec. Gary, I know you got to go, but you want to give us a I like to always have you do sort of a little closing homily as you leave here. We've covered a lot of interesting and very kind of deep course based ground here today. Uh, some of it was kind of unexpected. And then Carl's question fit right in with that, the nature of uh, uh, the very nature of mortality or what appears to be mortality that in reality is is not mortality. I think there's a song in there somewhere. But uh, buddy, it's great talking to you again. And, you know, I know and we both kind of apologize to everybody that a lot of people say, you know, wh- wh- how come the podcasts have not been as current? And it's really just been due to my circumstances the last year and, and several months. 
Uh, it's been quite a challenge. We can we can talk about that more later. But uh, anybody's curious, email me. I'll, I'll give you the whole sorry story. But uh, you know, I'm better and uh, more more capable all the time. So that's why we can start getting back into more regular podcasting. So uh, so that's what's coming up. But let me leave things in your hands, and then I'll be back to uh, to wrap things up and give out that information to folks. But Gary Renard. Give us a gem of wisdom to wrap it up from here. Yeah, and uh, by the way, it's true. Uh, we are planning on doing the next uh, podcast uh, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Gene is feeling better, which makes me feel better, and uh, that's really cool. But you know, as far as you know, this podcast is concerned, I think that it uh, brings us back to the point that the experience that we seem to be having here is a false experience. Now, I'm not denying that it's our experience. You know, I'm not denying that our experience is that we are bodies. I'm just saying that it's a false experience, that what we're experiencing here is not true. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Albert Einstein's description of our experience. He described it as kind of like an optical delusion of consciousness. Uh, we think that what we're seeing is true. It's not. We think that the world is real. It's not. It has no inherent reality whatsoever. And what we need to do is stop making it real. Now, grant you, that's easier said than done, but it is doable. You know, the Holy Spirit would not give us a job that was not doable. It is possible. But it takes vigilance. You know, when the Course says, be vigilant only for God and His kingdom, well, that's a pretty tall order, but it is possible. It is doable. I think it takes a lot of practice. I think it takes a lot of determination and perseverance. But eventually, you can get to the point where it's almost automatic, and you don't have to think about it as much. You do have to think about it at first, because your mind has to get into a condition of thinking in a way that we have not thought for millions of years. You know, we've been at the effect of this thing seemingly in the dream. If you look at it in a linear fashion, it seems like millions of years. And uh, the undoing of all this may appear to take another million years. Uh, Jesus even says that in the Course, that the you know, complete awakening of the Sonship could appear to take a million years. But that doesn't mean that you have to wait a million years. Uh, you can do it now. You know, you don't have to wait a million years. You don't have to plod along, as, as Gene put it uh, on that film strip. Uh, you can skip most of it by choosing the Holy Spirit, by choosing the miracle, which is forgiveness, but it's a certain kind of forgiveness where you're at cause and not effect. If you do that, then uh, incredible things are possible. So I say for this holiday season, let's uh, turn it up a notch. You know, let's be even more determined to practice forgiveness. And uh, as we do that, then uh, remarkable things are certainly possible. Here's a quick message from the Forgiveness.tv Department of Corrections. A little earlier in our podcast, I made uh, some reference to Teddy Roosevelt having been the president who actually served two non-consecutive terms and thereby having two presidential sequence numbers. Well, I was wrong. I was waiting for a phone call from Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, I didn't receive that, but it did come to my attention. Teddy Roosevelt was the 26th president of the United States. He actually ran for a second non-consecutive term. Teddy Roosevelt was followed by William Howard Taft, and then Teddy Roosevelt ran again after that in 1912, that election, but he did not win. He actually lost to Woodrow Wilson. And um, so that's interesting that he ran for two 
non-consecutive terms, but he only actually was the president for one term, making him simply the 26th president. However, there was a president who did it twice. It was Grover Cleveland, who uh, was president uh, number 22. He was followed by Benjamin Harrison, but then Grover Cleveland ran and was elected once again to the presidency, making him both the 22nd and then 24th president of the United States. That was Grover Cleveland. But Teddy Roosevelt ran, but only was president once. However, unlike Grover Cleveland, Teddy Roosevelt does have his face on Mount Rushmore. So that stands for maybe more than being listed twice in the list. So anyway, this correction has been brought to you by the Department of Corrections here at Forgiveness.tv. And to follow up a bit further, we mentioned earlier Gary's uh, audio CD, the one he and Cindy have done together, and some other cool stuff, all of which you can connect with and find out more about at Gary's own website, the famous one, GaryRenard.com. And you can uh, join his mailing list there as well if you're not already on that. There's been a little confusion. Some people say, well, I'm already on your list, Gene, because I get those things from Gary. Well, we have two lists we're talking about. We have the Gary Renard list that you connect at GaryRenard.com. And then uh, I run a Forgiveness on Course list. So it's actually kind of the Forgiveness.tv list that talks about Gary's activities as well as, as what we're doing together and stuff that I'm doing. You can connect with that at Forgiveness.tv. There's a thing for the email newsletter. Just click there. You, all you have to enter is your uh, email address, and then you'll be on the list. I uh, haven't had one out for a while due to a lot of issues, but there will be a couple of new ones coming out fairly soon. So do sign up for that. I always feel like, you know, I only get to talk with everybody during the podcasts. And I say, well, I want to make sure I get everything said because I don't know when I'll, you know, I won't speak to you till the next episode. But I, I hope that people will connect on that email list and also connect with me on Twitter because I am going to start doing more active Twitter tweeting or tweeting on Twitter because I'm such a twit. Anyway, uh, check that out. That's uh, just Gene Bogart is the Twitter and it's at Gene Bogart is the Twitter handle. And uh, please check in with me there, and uh, then I, I will start making more, because, you know, that's so easy. It should be just little, tiny, little 140-character notes. They don't have to be lengthy things. So do that at Twitter. I always will retweet those or repost the tweets at Facebook as well. And I hope you guys will friend me on Facebook. A couple of people unfriended me during the elections. Oh, they, politics can get nasty. Just ask Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, but please do check me out on Facebook. That's also Gene Bogart. And Twitter is at Gene Bogart. And by all means, connect with us and get updates uh, at Forgiveness.tv. I did mention the project of my own coming up, and I will tell you more about it in the next podcast, the official announcement. And I'll also be releasing material on Twitter and Facebook about it. And it's an audio CD project. It's something I'm doing. Uh, it's going to be out real quick. And I really hope, I think everybody's going to love this. It's, uh, it's uh, from the course. It is, uh, it's from the course. That's all I'm going to say. And I'll tell you more about it later. But you'll find out more about that if you'll please check out those other things. Uh, primarily connecting through Forgiveness.tv. And the Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and distributed and released through Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2012, Gene Bogart and Gary Renard. All rights reserved, all grievances forgiven. This is Gene Bogart thanking you so much 
for listening to this podcast. You know, when we recorded this, we actually had a, an unusual level of technical difficulties. For some reason, the phone that we were on, Gary was on his cell phone for the early part of the podcast, and we kept, they kept dropping the call. There were all these technical breaks, all of which required then more extensive editing to put everything back together again. Hopefully, you didn't even notice that when you were listening, if I did my job well. But it's very time-consuming. And then we finally had to switch over to the landline, so the latter part of the podcast it sounds a little better because of that. Uh, and then Gary had a, an interruption. He and Cindy were, were talking about some urgent thing, came up with his car, with their car and needed warranty or something. I don't know. So we had that to work around. And all all of this together, it let's just say it produced some very very funny little comments that took place that we, we cut out that weren't appropriate for the podcast. But I might, maybe, I just might put it together into kind of a little outtake reel, given an audio clip of that, which I could post at uh, forgiveness.tv. I make no promises on that one, but if it, if it works out, you may have that to look forward to. So it's always fun, a little, what do they call that, schadenfreude, when you, when you, when you get to, you know, <laughs> feel good about the misfortunes of others. You can listen and say, oh, well, you know, Gene and Gary, they have problems too. Oy, do I have problems. But that's a different story. But thank you so much. We really appreciate you listening. I personally appreciate it very much, as well as all the well wishes people have extended to us. It's uh, Yeah, it's been a challenging year and almost a half year, but uh, so far, the Holy Spirit is keeping the gears turning, and, and that's what it boils down to. So thank you so much for being part of that. And as we close this episode, let me remind you, the next podcast will be coming up soon. And uh, I know I say that often. It's not the case. I am confident it will be this time. And I hope that you'll check out, you'll be on the list, and you'll know everything that's happening even before we do. I, I think that's possible. But until that time, let me just remind you the phrase that I, I am telling you for real every day of my life, it becomes more and more true. And I hope that you can incorporate it into your lives as well. Is that whatever the circumstance or the question, forgiveness is always the answer. Right, then when you don't have your health, all of a sudden, that... Right, just want, I just want to check here. Are you still there? Oh. Are we recording again? Okay, we seem to be. Stand by. Ah, balls. I think we got cut off.